I want you to turn to one of the most powerful portions of the Word of God, Romans chapter 8. This is an amazing portion of the Word of God. Every portion of the Word of God is great, but I want to tell you this is holy ground. Would you get... Good, fourth, it's good to see you back today for the first time in a long time. Got all those shots and masks, and thank you guys. Good to see you. Romans 8, I want you to turn there, and I'll join you in just a moment. In Romans 7, we are, we are given a, a description of what happens when we come to the Lord and when we become born again, how that we become dead to the law, but we are alive to God. And the old things are passed away, all things become new. In, in that verse, in that chapter 7, you learn how the law cannot deliver us. And you hear the stress and you hear the, the warfare that we've all been through. When I would do that which was good, I find that I do that which I would not want to do in that warfare that you read in the latter part of chapter 7. And, and Paul wrestles with that and he said, thank God I'm delivered from this body of death only by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, let's say it again. When the Son, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. <laughs> and then you arrive at chapter 8. And here is... It's awesome. It's just holy ground to me. I want to just give you a gist of the chapter, and, and then we're going to read some of it. If you were to, I were to divide it, it's simply this. Chapters 1 through 11, I think it'll be on your screen. Chapters 1 through, the verses 1 through 11, the Holy Spirit gives us power over this flesh. Listen, we don't, we don't have to be in and out of salvation. I know whom I have believed. And the Holy Spirit gives us power over the flesh. Verses 12 through 17, he adopts us as sons and daughters. We cry, Abba, Father. Thank God we can. Verse 18 through 30, it's the Holy Spirit assures us of our future glory. I, I love this, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, verse 18, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And then you get to chapter 28, all things work together for good to them. Not everybody, but those who love the Lord and do according to his purpose. Wow, such powerful verses of Scripture our future glory. And then for today's text, verse 31 through 39, it assures us of a final victory. I want to tell you something. At maybe the field of sport, I wouldn't want to know the outcome. It would take the intensity and maybe the pleasure and maybe the agony, but it would change the, the whole competition. But when you're in war, it puts an entirely different mindset if you know you're going to win the war. Don't you think? Wow, I want you to turn to someone and say, in Christ, we win. So what kind of a battle can we fight now? What is our strategy if we know we win? Aren't you glad it's in Christ and not in our abilities? So let's listen to it a minute. I'm going to be at verse 31. Verse 31. 
When Paul says, God delivers us from this body, he gives us this power over the flesh, he adopts us as sons and daughters in the kingdom, he assures us of the glory that's going to be revealed in him and us in the future. Then he says, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us how many things all things verse 33 who shall bring a charge against god's elect it is god who justifies catch that meaning who dare has any railing against us because it is the sovereign god that has declared us justified so let me pause there and say we allow that to happen all the time don't we can I say what my mom used to say when she wanted to change me? She said, stop that. <laughs> Pretty clear one. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns us? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Let's go back and ask the question then. then who condemns us? If Christ who paid the price has declared us, who can condemn us? Powerful. Who shall separate us from the love of God, of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? It is written for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yes, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, that's a powerful word, convinced that neither death nor, height, nor death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are not twice born, those words cannot possibly permeate your heart and mind and spirit like it does we who were twice born. But knowing that I have been smitten with the weightiness of my sin and knowing that I have gone to the fountain of the blood of Christ that cleanses me from all my sin, I know the weightiness of the Spirit speaking, saying, Brooks, I bought you, I loved you, I'm traveling with you, I can keep you on your feet and I'm going to see that you win. I'll settle down. I want to take you to a little story that I read years ago. And it's fun, but it says something. So I want to preface it by saying, have you ever been, ever felt like you've been knocked off your feet? I love that. I, I used to use this word in high school and college. We'd play sports and things and tell you how intelligent some teenage boys are. They would take a contest of who could take the biggest punch in the belly. So we'd stand there and somebody, this is brilliant. <laughs> you ever been belly punched by the devil? I think we can relate to this story, so let me share it with you. Chippy, the parakeet, never saw it coming. 
One second he was peacefully perched in his cage, the next he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. Some of you are really feeling this. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose, stuck it in the cage. Suddenly the phone rang and she turned to pick it up. She barely said hello when... Chippy got sucked in. You feel more sorry for this bird than you do your husband. The bird owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, opened up the bag, and there was Chippy, still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, held Chippy under the running water. Then suddenly realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. (laughs) Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days later, After the trauma, the reporter who had initially written about this event contacted the homeowner to see how the bird was recovering. The homeowner responded, well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. (laughs) He just sits and stares. (laughs) Come on, it won't break your laugher to use it. (laughs) I don't think it's difficult to see why. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. That's enough to steal the song from any stout heart. (laughs) Most of us can identify. Years ago, I had a long evening in ministry, and I was dealing with some very difficult, frankly, demonic things. And I worked and we prayed and we went through so much of that for hours. I was exhausted and I felt very defeated. If you've never been there, you don't know what maybe exhaustion is in the spirit, but I will tell you that it can happen. Late that night, I went to bed. I hardly slept. I got up early that next morning. I was sitting in my living room and I started the day off with God and coffee because God made coffee. And it's the elixir of life, the nectar of the gods. (laughs) I was praying, drinking my coffee, wondering, wrestling in the spirit. Father, why didn't I see the victory that I wanted? And let me just say later on, thank God we did. But while I was in this state, my little grandson Clay was about three, maybe, I don't know. He was a little bitty boy. He walked by me and suddenly he pushed a button and I heard this loud noise. It was just, 
Wow. It was a new kind of a toy. It was a little child computer that would teach you the alphabet and your numbers, your letters and your numbers. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. And um, I was just in this state of mind and this noise hit me and suddenly Clay said, Poppy, do you know your numbers? Do you know your alphabet? He pushed one of those buttons. And I was just thrown from one world into another. And I remember I reached over and picked him up. And he had no idea what was in my mind. I was feeling like Chippy. <laughs> I was having this really thing, and I picked this baby up, put him in my lap. He had no idea what was going in my mind. And I said to that sweet little boy, you pretty little thing, I love you deeply. To which he replied, never forget it. Poppy, how come you say those things? I thought we were playing numbers. There's a picture there. Sometimes the love of a parent and a grandparent falls awkwardly on the ears of a child because their mind is one place and ours is another. It, it, may, it may be a burst of emotion. My burst of emotion was beyond the thinking and the thought of my little grandson. He had no comprehension of what was going on inside of me. But I want to declare to you, just because he didn't understand it, and because it maybe took him by surprise, he was unable to comprehend it, it did not keep me from speaking to him. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, there is no way our limited minds can comprehend the love of God. But it did not keep him from coming, and it will not keep him from speaking. He is beyond what we can even imagine, even in this day. Aren't you glad God knows more, loves more than we do? I too like clay. I, I've wondered what my heavenly father's doing. What in the world is going on? I have at times been shook up. I, I've had times when I felt the thud of a knockout punch, if you will. I, I know what those things are, not just physically, but spiritually. And when those times come, we're, we're prone to question upon question. And I learned there are some things I need some answers to. And I'm glad that God gives me the answers. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8. And he guarantees, as I said, our victory in Christ. And Paul asks questions. But catch this. The questions Paul asks are not for the same reasons that you and I sometimes ask questions. He was making a question out of an absolute that has already been established. Paul asked these questions not to bring the answers, but he asked these questions of the readers who were twice born to bring amazement. 
Because amazements can sometimes settle all the questions. And Paul says, since this is so overwhelming, how in the world can the devil even affect us at all? Catch the weightiness of that. The apostle challenges everybody, anybody in heaven, in earth, or in hell to deny the truth of the questions he posed. These four or five questions are not new to us. I've asked them, you have. We've asked them in the night. We've asked them when we feel like the world has hit us like chippy. We, we, we've asked them in anger. We ask them in loneliness and in pain. And we ask them in a time of doubt and a doubt storm. And we've asked them as I did when I felt inadequate spiritually. These questions ponder pain and problem and circumstance. And certainly 2020 has been a challenge. Let me review some questions, and may the answers be sustenance to us today in this present world. May they be supernatural spirit strength to our innermost being. I want to, I want to just let you know that these, these questions are already answered, but I want us to see them. Here's the first questions. Literally, can God protect me? And he answered it in verse 31. What then sh shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Can God protect me? Yes or no? Notice the question is not, catch this, notice the question is not simply who can be against us. That's a question. It's there. The question wasn't simply that, though, who can be against us? Listen, you and I can answer that question, can't we? We can answer it. Doubt, fear, corruption, disease, inflation, calamities, pandemics. If Paul's question was, who can be against us, every one of us in this room with any spiritual experience against the enemy could make our own list. We could all list our foes much easier than fight our foes. But that was not the question. The question is this. If God be for us or is for us, overwhelmingly then, so insignificant then is who can be against us? I want you to notice four words. God is for us. I want us to say those words. I want us to say them four times. And each time we do, I want us to enunciate the word one, two, three, four. First God, then is, then for, then us. Are you ready? God is for us. Say it again. God is for us. Now we're going to do is. God is for us. Say it the third time. God is for us. Lastly, God is for us. Let's put it all together. Let's make it be heard online from the sanctuary. Ready? God is for us. Satan, you're a liar. You're a defeated foe. 
It's so important we do not listen to what the enemy says. So let me touch that a minute. God is for you. Your friends may leave, your parents, family, every employer, even your mate, all that. But I want to tell you, within the reach of your prayers is the maker of the mountains. Within the reach of your prayer is the guy who named the stars. Within the reach of your prayer is the one who flung the solar system into its motion. And I want to tell you, he controls it. He takes care of it every day. And he certainly can take care of you and me. God is for us. The sovereign God who stood into nothing, spoke into nothing, and everything that is came into being. And Paul is saying overwhelmingly that creator, that sovereign of all the universe is for us. So insignificantly then, who can be against you? Let us not forget Satan's not an equal evil rival to God. He's not even a rival. Let's look at the second one. God is for you. Not maybe. Yes, has been. Yes, was. Yes, will be. But present tense, today, God is for you. Today, not waiting in lines. Now, not testing to check you out, not come back tomorrow, we're busy, not, well, I'll think about it, or, well, I realize this, but you just need to let Satan knock some knots on your head. I want to tell you something. God is present tense for you. Thirdly, God is for you. Mom, dad may turn, brothers, sisters may turn, friends may turn, but when all other voices are silenced, God is for me. I'm going to tell you, through the years, he cheers me on. He calls me by my name. He carries me when I'm tired. He picks me up when I fall. The God of my salvation that cost him everything to save me is for me. He wouldn't pay the price he did if he wasn't for me. God got what he wanted at the high price of something like you and me, but he is for me. God is for us. On God's calendar, he circled your birthday. If God was driving a car on the car tag, your name's on the rear bumper. (laughs) On heaven's tree, in the shape of a heart, his car, God loves David. In the tree of heaven. I don't know how they do that. And here's something. Catch this. And like children, at least we did when I was in a little two-room school, when ink pens came out instead of fountain pens, we thought they were pretty neat. If you don't know the difference, you're young. But we used to take ink and write the name of our boyfriend or girlfriend, you know. On the, I, I finally figured out that was biblical. Because I want to tell you something. Isaiah said, chapter 49, verse 16, God said, I have written your name 
on the palm of my hand. Now, because God is for us, now because God is for us, who can be against us? Can death harm us now? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if this book is true, and it is, death is nothing to fear for the for the, for the saint, nothing to fear for the twice born because to be absent from the body is to be immediately present with the Lord. And the last thing that dies at death is death. That's the last thing that can happen to us. After that, it's life, 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 life. Thank you, God, for the promise. <laughs> what, can your purpose in life be diminished now? Truth is, although that hell is against us and everything Satan brings, and I will tell you, he will bring it all. But I will tell you this, you and God are a majority. He cannot defeat you. Not if you don't let him. I know the warfare. I I go through it all the time. I, I have Satan belittle me like you wouldn't believe. But between my God and my mom and my wife and my kids and hopefully some of you, I know somebody loves me. You sing a song, covered, covered by his blood, Jesus has rescued me. God can take care of us. Second question is in verse 32. Can you provide for me? Let's look at this one. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What if a man sees a child being beaten up by bullies? And he goes over and takes care of the bullies and then carries that young son, child to the hospital and pays the hospital bills and finally adopts the boy, give him his name and takes him to his home. Then what if one night the boy is heard sobbing in the nighttime in a pillow and the dad goes in and he says, why the tears? The boy says, what's going to happen to me? What about tomorrow? What will I eat What about my clothes? And the father says something like this. Haven't I shown you? Do you not understand? I risk my life for you. I gave money to treat you. You bear my name. I adopted you. Would I do all that and then fail to meet your need? Paul said, would he who gave his son not meet our needs? But in spite of all that, you know what we do? We still worry. We still ask about SAT scores and and IRS. We still sometimes worry about education retirements, jobs. We still worry about if caffeine's good or bad. I've decided God made it so it's good. We still worry about this peanut butter fattening or not. I can think I can answer that. We're so, we, we, 
We worry about calories and cars and colors and clothes. And... Saints, a good question for us is, did God save us so that we could fret? Would he have died on a cross then, look at my failure, my faults, yours, and just say, well, forget it. Listen, if God were going to do that, he'd have said that to Adam and Eve. But having wrecked that beautiful world and having given to sin, ask any parent, ask any grandparent why in the world God would cleanse them and remake them and wash them and love them because he did love them. More than that world he created. Come on, Paul says, he will, he has provided manna, water, quail in the Old Testament, milk and honey. Listen, he's provided for us friends and the Holy Spirit. I love what the one author said about the 23rd Psalm. The little girl said, the Lord is my shepherd. What is it you want? Powerful. Third question. God, what about guilt? What about guilt? Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Listen to this. There's some people in this room, maybe all of us need to hear this. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? How many of you are elect? You know your sins are covered in the blood. How many of you know you're in the kingdom? Let's ask it again. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Wow. I think we ought to take our shoes off. I'm going to read a verse of scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. If God says, I'm free and I'm saved and I'm redeemed and I'm a victor and he's going to keep me and wash me and empower me, I'm going to believe that he's declared me not guilty because he says he has. I'll tell you this, Satan will remind you of it. So that brings me to the fourth question. God, what about grace? Verse 34, who is he who condemns? It was Christ. Watch this comparison. It was Christ who died. And furthermore, he's the only one that's risen who is given the right hand, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. <laughs> who is it who condemns us? Can I tell you that the word says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? But that doesn't seem that didn't keep Satan from trying to tell you all about it. I just this week I've been inundated with stories. I want to tell you another one, but it's a good picture. A young man had a slingshot and he was shooting rocks and he could never hit anything. Just try and try, could never hit anything. All afternoon after school he'd been shooting at everything. He's going to return to grandma's backyard, and when he did, he happened to see a pet duck. And so he just, out of pure uh, impulse, he took the rock and shot it, and you guessed it. Bullseye, head on, 
And the boy panicked. So he hid the duck in the woodpile. Boy, I have been here because I have three rotten sisters. I say rotten in love. <laughs> they know. <laughs> His sister was watching. How many of you know sisters don't keep secrets? <laughs> After supper, grandmother said to Sally, Sally, do the dishes. And Sally said, Johnny, didn't you tell me you wanted to do dishes tonight? How many ever been guilty of anything? How many have ever said, you're guilty, I know it. You ever had Satan come and say, you? So Johnny did dishes. And for several weeks, dishes and washing them were often duty. Till finally, Johnny decided punishment was better than washing dishes. So he went to grandma. And he said to his grandmother, told the story, and she said, Johnny, I know. I was watching through the kitchen window. I saw the whole thing. Watch this. I want you to hear this from the Lord today. All of you online, in the kingdom or out of the kingdom, because I love you, I forgave you. Because I love you, I forgave you. And she went on to say, Please make this application spiritually also. She said, I wondered how long you would let Sally hold you hostage. Satan will try to hold you hostage. He will do everything in the world to remind you of everything you've ever done in the negative. Do not let Satan hold you hostage. We know what it's like to be accused. We've been dishonest also. We understand. But listen, every moment the accuser is filing charges against us, we know that. Every time we fail, every time we have a wrong thought, every time we get into spiritual trouble, Satan writes it down, makes it a record that he plays incessantly. And I will say this to you, in whatever weakness you have been in the past and Satan makes you feel guilty, he will play that incessant recording till he will try to use it to drive you spiritually insane. One of the greatest battles you'll ever fight is right up here. And I've said it, I heard an evangelist say it here last year. He said, if Satan's talking to you, remember he's lying. Every time we make a mistake, Satan runs to God like a tattletale. If you're trying to forget your past, Satan will remind you. Yet, having been to Calvary's cross and having been cleansed by the precious blood of the Christ, who will, who 
can bring a charge against God's elect. There's some people in this room today. There's some people online that need to hear that greater is he that's within you than he that's within this world. I want to share this and I'll finish this part. God himself, Paul says, who can bring an accusation against you? Who can do that? Because it's God who saved you. I just want to declare to you today, God himself has declared my sentence and your sentence because of the blood, not guilty. You have been declared in the high court of heaven, not guilty. Oh, but pastor, you don't know. No, don't go there. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. Your sins have been cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against you again. That's the word of God. Tell Satan he can't fish in the lake anymore. Done. Forgiven. Past. God says you are not guilty. I think the last question is, can it last? Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? I want you to notice that every one of those are in the future tense. Present and future tense. That's a big question. Can it last? Here's things I think we ask. When we're by ourselves or when we feel lonely or when it's just us and God or us against the world and we're in that one little room that we all have. Each one of us have a room in us that we don't let anybody go except us. In the Old Testament, it was, it was called the chamber of imagery. I preached a message on it years ago. Only the guests we invite are entertained there. That's why, young people, it's extremely important, your crowd, and who you allow in your innermost being. I've said outwardly, it's true for years. I'm going to say it again. I will say it till I'm dead and gone. If the Lord tarries, show me your crowd. I'll tell your future. But it's not just for young people. It's for all of us. And the people we, and the spirit the ideas that we entertain and we communicate with in that little chamber will eventually cause us to become like that. That's why a guest of lust will try everything in the world to be your company there and speak with you and talk with you. That green-eyed monster of jealousy will try to get in that inner chamber and change your thinking. And pride, and I could go on and on and on. Here's our questions today. How does God feel about me? Did I blow it this week? Was my tongue too sharp? Were my thoughts at gutter level? Did I drift too far? Did I wait too long? Can anything separate us, Paul said, from the love of God? Don't worry about your feelings. Don't worry about what Satan tries to tell you. God answered it long before any of us ever heard the questions. Watch this and I'll be through. So that we could 
see it. So that we could see it, he lit the sky with a star. So that we could hear it, you feel the night with a choir. So that we could believe it, he did what no man, no God ever dreamed. He left the splendor of glory and came to the poverty in the flesh and dwelt on earth among us. He left that glory and came to this sin-cursed planet. He left the angels and the cherubim and the seraphim and the robes and the scepter. And he became a human. And no matter how I feel about things, no matter what I may be struggling with, no matter how I may experience a doubt storm, no matter how many things that I'm concentrating on, I need a little three-year-old grandson to say, Poppy, do you know your numbers and your alphabet? When I'm overcome at times by emotion, he who formed the eye sees. He who formed the ear hears. He who formed the tongue speaks. You pretty little thing. I love you dearly. Soaked in blood, nails stabbed and bleeding, covered in saliva and vinegar, with Paul, hear the answers to the questions. I am persuaded. That neither death nor life, angels, principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nothing present or nothing to come, no creature will keep God from saying, you pretty little thing, I love you deeply. after granddad I guess came in this room this morning you're online with us I know that battle I've been there and where this message come from out of a doubt storm out of years of trying to accomplish what the Lord wanted me to do with my life you won't be without the battle you won't be without the war we're not going to glide to heaven in ease and comfort on a sin cursed planet and Satan will try every trick in the book 
and he'll get your value systems all messed up. The world looks like they're having more fun, more fun, more fun. Don't kid yourself. There's pleasure in the sin season. I've said it so many times before. Don't kid yourself. Satan knows how to reward you with fun and pleasure. But it's decorated death. Because this book that is authored by God himself says this. Satan blesses the unbeliever. He sees that a lot of things go right. Read about it in the Old Testament. David sitting here going through the trial and the warfare of trying to live for God. And he, and he struggled all those years. And he looks over to his neighbor and he said, God, I'm doing everything I possibly can. I'm in a war. I have nothing. I keep struggling, struggling. And it looks like my neighbor who hates you, who despises you, he's got more wealth than everything in the world he could have fathomed. God, what's going on? Chippy the parakeet, we've been there. Haven't we? Here's the difference. God said, Satan's pleasures are there. But after every one of them, may not happen overnight, but after every one of them, here's what happens. He addeth sorrow. Some, some unfortunate person who last night got intoxicated. I will tell you this morning, there's sorrow with it. That young person that took a needle and did drugs last night, this morning, there's sorrow with it. That person last night that slept in an adulterous fornication bed, this morning, there's sorrow with it. Pastor, how dare you say those things? We need to know what life's really about. But I will tell you this, Last night I was tired, went home. I had a glass of Coke, maybe. I don't know, water, I think. I looked at television a little bit, went climbed in my bed. I had a good night's sleep. And my wife came and said, we lost an hour this morning, get up. Made me feel like chippy. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know what I feel this morning? I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded he is able to keep that everything I've committed to him. If you're online this morning and you're watching, you don't know the love of this God. If Satan is the master of your life and he's taking you from chapter to chapter, I challenge you to watch. What he will do. He'll do with you exactly what he did the prodigal in Luke 15. When all the money's gone and all the beauty's gone and all those things are over with, the whole crowd will leave you. Because Satan's never one time ever produced a winner. But I will tell you this. Come home to the Father's house. The Father's standing with his arms wide open. And nowhere in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation do you ever see God in a hurry except when the prodigal's father was watching down the road and he was saying, I'm waiting for my son to come back to my house. And that young man knew what it was like. I will say to my father, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. 
no longer worthy to be your son. And here's how God responds. Bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the sandals. My son that was lost is coming home. You want to come home, pray this with me. Father, I'm smitten, Lord, by the weightiness of my sin. I've done wrong and I know it. The Spirit of God woos me, Lord, draws me. Father, I do want to know what it's like to be clean, to be whole. Father, to have peace and the weight of the world off of my shoulders. So I come today, Lord, confessing that my sin has me dragged down. And Lord, I need a Savior. I ask you to apply the blood of the price of my Lord upon my sin. Cover me. Cleanse me. Make me whole, Lord. Lord, you said in your word, if we would come and ask you, would in no wise cast us out? And I thank you that I received. Your word declares that when I confess my sin and I'm saved, the angels rejoice, so they do. Father, take this pain and take this weightiness. Forgive me, cleanse me. I thank you for it. I thank you for that price. I will let you be my Savior and my Lord, and I confess you today. Amen.